This is Create the Next from Pro CFO Partners, where every week we explore strategies and ideas for financial management and growth to help today's businesses put their financial picture in context. Welcome back to Create the Next. I'm Chris Bentliff, and I have with me today uh, Tim Dominey. And Tim is, uh, we were just catching up a little bit, and Tim, you described yourself as kind of a career-long 20-year veteran of the non-for-profit space. And before we get into some of the things that we were going to talk about today, which uh, a lot of it is budgeting, a lot of it is reporting, which I already have some questions, tell me a little bit about that background. What What is it about this space that is so interesting or worthwhile uh, to you where it's just kind of become the niche that you spend your time in career-wise? What's uh, Why the time investment and the expertise investment in non-for-profits? What's, what's unique or exciting there for you? So Chris, it's, it's really interesting. Um, you know, it's just, I found that I could not get excited about work, no matter how exciting work should have been unless there was a mission associated with the work I was doing. Mm. Um, it was, it, I had a opportunity to earn a free MBA by working for my college. And I should have realized then, I think that being part of the mission of the college was one of the reasons why that, um, opportunity was successful. I, I really need to be able to sleep at night knowing that I'm trying to make the world a better place. And um, for a, you know, green eye shade, catch the three pennies off kind of guy, it seems sort of weird to say, but I'm very motivated by mission-driven work. And I find it way more rewarding than figuring out how to make an LLP pay less taxes. It's just a, a great feeling when you get to uh, do what you care about. And at the same time, the impact of what you care about makes the world a better place. What a valuable perspective. That says so much about you right off the bat. And um, I think it probably says a lot about the uh, integrity and the um, focus that you bring to your work. You're You're already sort of of a mindset of, uh, of assistance. You're already of a mindset of servant of servanthood or service when you get in there and, and you think, so how can I do the thing that I'm really great at to help you do the thing you're really great at to help folks who need somebody who's really great at that thing. That's, uh, that's really interesting. And especially as you pointed out, I don't know, there's a, maybe a common myth or, or stereotype around the bean counters that all you guys care about is, is the bottom line and that all you guys are doing is thinking about the almighty dollar. And, uh, and it's really uh, fun and uh, engaging to hear as we do from so many of the, of the pro CFO partners of the CFOs um, that there are other things that spin your wheels. Yeah. I, um, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that it's any other way. I, I, I am more successful in my career because I enjoy what I'm doing, even though what I am doing is still debits and credits at times. Right. It, it, it all depends on who you're doing it for. Let's talk about that just a little bit. What are some things around budgeting and reporting? Those are two kind of specialties uh, or, or uh, areas of expertise for you. 
what are two things uh, or what are some things about those two areas or those two aspects that you see non-for-profits getting consistently wrong or or off by just enough where it's really hurting their ability to achieve their goals or what are some con- constant or consistent or chronic issues that when you go in you know you can help out because you're seeing this thing that you've seen a hundred times before so chris i think um Let's first talk about the legal aspect of working for a non-for-profit, which is sort of a weird place to start. But um, every non-for-profit over a certain size is required to have a full audit, which is not a very typical thing for the for-profit industry. So you need to track and record and present numbers in a way that will pass audit. And you need to collect data in a way that will simplify audit. And then on top of that, uh, most non-for-profits have a large percentage of their revenues come from foundations. And every foundation has its own approach to how they want to be reported back as to how their funds were used. So if you, um, you have to think and and you have to constantly put in your perspective, who's the audience? How am I presenting this information? And, and am I making sure that this, this information uh, meets the needs of the user? So I have three clients, basically, at all times as the CFO. The first one is to present the audit so that the audit can be presented to the outside world. All non-for-profit 990 audits are available online and have an extreme amount of financial information and need to be extremely accurate and correct. Then I have another audience, which is the people who fund me. Now, they may be looking at that 990, but they also may be providing funding for me for a very specific area, and they want their own special reporting just for that area. And then finally, let's not forget that the whole purpose of budgeting is so that management has information so it can react correctly and plan correctly for uh, pandemics or uh, great changes in the marketplace. Uh, if, If I had been the CFO of a public performing organization during the pandemic, I was shut down for 18 months. You know, what kind of reserve planning could I have done? You know, so it, it's very important to think of your, your audience at all times when you develop reporting. And um, it's also very important that if you can make these all mesh and talk to each other in a clean way, then you just, everything's consistent and you're, you're like in good shape. <laughs> you know, uh, Brian Raphael and I have talked before about um, how there can be a tendency sometimes uh, for certain financial functions to really just get myopic on the sort of numbers and the cells in the spreadsheet and and to think less as they maybe could or should about being communicators. And one of the things that you're sharing that is is resonating with me is in the for-profit space, I may be able to uh, make some assumptions that I'm going to be talking to, for instance, a C-suite, and these are all people who came through some sort of, um, you know, 
they came through the ranks in such a way where they'll understand some level of uh, minutiae and machinery when it comes to the finance and stuff. And of course, that's going to be true as folks, you know, move into leadership in non-for-profits. But do you find that also, you know, the thing that motivates me as a non-for-profit leader is helping people. It's not necessarily the, oh, oh I can't wait to get into the weeds about the dollars and cents. That part <laughs> right. is almost, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> fundraising so I can help the folks. Do you find that you have to kind of tailor your communication skills to be the expert who's, who is comfortable in that space but who can communicate really easily to those folks who just need to understand what does it mean for the things we're trying to accomplish? Absolutely. That's exactly the role. And to provide a strategic guidance so that, so that when you look, you know, you're constantly managing to three horizons, right? You're managing to the next month, you're managing for the fiscal year and you're managing probably for a three-year horizon or sometimes a five-year horizon. So you're, you're, you're constantly saying, well, this position helps you in the short term, the midterm and the long term. Um, I, uh, you know, my role is to make sure that the organization has sustainability has become the catchword of a lot of non-for-profit speak. Um, but I also have the responsibility to make sure that we're solvent. <laughs> and, and I, so I need to, I need to work in those great uh, strategic realm or that, that arc, short-term, midterm, long-term solvency to strategy, to sustainability. Mm-hmm. And, and if I'm really cooking with gas and helping out uh, leaders of non-for-profits, I, I need to bring to the table all those experiences and, the, and those issues. Um, you know, from an accounting and audit point of view, I had a situation recently where uh, literally a person who had left us money died and rescinded the gift. Hmm. So now we have a situation where the right situation is to write off and affect the balance sheet, which affects our public perception because it's going to be part of the audit. But it's the right decision. It hurts us in the short term, but it'll help us in the long term. You know, so you you know you have to you have to be forthright and forward on this stuff and do it when it's correct. Create the Next is brought to you by Pro CFO Partners, who believe every business deserves to work with an expert CFO to guide its success. Pro CFO Partners are expert financial officers networked across industries, verticals, specializations, and situations. Fulfilling the role of a part-time CFO with all-time commitment, Pro CFO Partners utilizes the innovative and exclusive FGC financial flywheel as a framework that creates momentum to drive your financial functions for sustainable success. Visit ProCFOPartners.com to explore how we can implement a systematic and scalable financial system to help you achieve your goal. ProCFOPartners.com You know, I imagine that you are... um coming to the rescue for a lot of these organizations. I mean, do you get into when you, when you begin some of these engagements, 
what's the sort of, I don't know, and of course it's going to be different, but what's the maturity or what's the sort of calibration of some of the organizations you're in? Is it new to them to be getting the information in such a way and uh, strategically thinking about and responding to that? Is it? Um... So, so let's think about who is the audience for fractional CFO work, right? Yeah. yeah. So my industry, uh, and you know, like I, I think of my industry that well, that's actually how I think of non for profit work. It's my industry. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tim is in charge. <laughs> no, but uh, in, in, in the non for profit industry, it's a very well known fact that 80% of all non for profits have a budget less than a million dollars. 80% of them. Only 20% have more than a million dollars. So, you know, you're a regional or local mental health network, you form in a city that you care about, uh, your entire market space will never get greater than three and a half million dollars. Mm. But you still need to be strategic and sustained. So you need someone to come in and deal with those issues. You need someone who can say to you, you need a three-year plan. You need to discuss where your board is at and does your board understand what it's supporting well enough? Are you defined enough in your strategic message, in your mission message? Um, uh, do you have a diverse fundraising pool? Hmm. You know, um, just like just like any business, whether you you can't, you know, 80% of your funds come from 20% of your donators, right? But that's a very scary thing, right? So I'm on the board of an arts council. Uh, we basically only had one person on the board who had a big checkbook. Now, people who get involved with boards on uh, traditionally have like a five-year lifespan. You know, so the board needs to prepare for that turnover. So there's this whole... There's this whole aspect of board oversight, which has a, which is a very much more pronounced and important role in the non-for-profit world. There's this strategy of what are your rainy day reserves? What's an appropriate amount you should be looking for? And then there's the strategy of cost efficiencies. So I happen to have come out of, believe it or not, manufacturing cost accounting. I'm probably the only person in the world who did. And, um, you know, we under manufacturing cost accounting is built on the concept of allocating costs to product so that when the product is produced, it, you, you don't have an, oh my God, we've spent too much money on overhead. Right. right. So it's the exact same thing in the, for in the non-for-profit world. You need to, understand allocations you need to assign overhead expenses to projects you need to get the people who fund you to understand that conversation and not just deny it you know willy-nilly um it's it can be very intricate and complex situation but given the example i gave you of the less than five million dollar organization there is no way that they should be spending the money for a five day a week full time CFO, you know they they should be looking for a fractional 
um, CFO. And they should be looking for someone who can really give them that strategic leadership, which they only need on a fractional basis. It's such good advice. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I, I can, I can imagine as a, as a non we've had some conversations here on the podcast before where I can limit my financial functions, my thinking around it to my controller or my bookkeeper or my accountant. And what I might be missing in all of that is that strategic perspective, um, that, that ability to help me see you know, read between the lines and see the big picture and, and plan for uh, the two and the three and the five years and, and the contingencies as you're talking about, the mitigations that you're talking about, is that an area, that strategic piece that is consistently missing? And um, absolutely. So, so the famous discussion is, is where, where you're, everybody likes to call them rainy day funds, or you can just call them reserves. <laughs> um, but you know, where, where, where do you peg that number? Right. So if you're in the for-profit world, you know what your sales trend is, you know, how many dollars you're going to bring in each month and you could say, yeah, I'm always going to have enough cash. If you're in the non-for-profit world, what you need to do is you need to, you have a, a longer trail to do the development, to bring in the funds. And you have a longer trail if the development falls off the table. Mm. So what you need to do is you need to have funds, but you also, you, so, you know, the classic is, is, you know, they, they have a year that's fantastic. They take a bunch of money and they put it into an investment account. Now, if that investment account is two months, your annual budget, Mm. I'd be a pretty nervous CFO. If it was six months, your annual budget, you know, I'll sleep, (laughs) but, but, you know, I'll be talking to the development people a lot. (laughs) If I've got two years of annual budget in endowment and reserves, I'm like, okay, how can we maximize the returns on this endowment to really help this organization move forward? Now, this is not a problem. What other problems can we deal with? Right? And that's that strategic mindset, because I think so often we have a reactive, uh, or we're not even thinking about if I have X versus if I have Y. We're just kind of uh, hanging on for dear life sometimes. Yeah. And and think about, so, you know, let's, let's take my example of the small non-for-profit, you know, uh, uh, I randomly chose mental health facility right so every town in america needs one so to speak and you know they're they're up to three million bucks but this got started because some you know some people working at a hospital recognized that the school system was drowning so they set up a separate entity they started providing mental health care they started getting some state funding they're up to like three or four million dollars they're 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 there because they want to help the mental health of that town. It's kind of weird when you start talking to them about, well, you know, should you have a working capital loan? Uh, when do you switch from renting to owning your facilities? Uh, what is the right strategy? What banks should you be working with? You know, there are a lot of banks that offer non-for-profit services, or should you be digging deep in the home bank and trying to get 
people from the home bank on your board. You know, there's a whole bunch of strategy about, which has nothing to do with mental health. Right. <laughs> right. Um, uh, famously, there's a presentation. The, the other side of this is your employees. Your employees are all driven by the mission. So managing employees is different, right? What It's not just going to be the dollar that motivates them. It's going to be, well, you know, we need you to have more impact. And it, it just, it's a fascinating world. And it, and the ability to act strategically can drastically affect your ability to be, to deliver mission. Tim Dominey, uh, I feel like we've only scratched the surface and you've already given us so much great insight and advice. If I'm out there and I'm struggling with, or I'm leading, or I'm floundering uh, with my non-for-profit, or I'm just having a great time, but I haven't thought about some of the things that you just brought to mind. I hope, I hope that you'll give us a call or reach out. Uh, so folks like Tim can have a conversation with you because I think you bring such a grounded perspective uh, that marries kind of that mission with the, with the financial strategic piece that is so important. I hope you'll come back and we'll dig more into this another time. It's been great talking to you. Chris, it's, it's, it's really fun to talk about, you know, what, what I love. <laughs> it, it, it's a uh it's been a really fun journey for me over the last 20 years and i i'm still in the game because i really want to continue giving back to these organizations it says a lot about you sir thank you for uh, joining us today looking forward to next time thanks for listening and a special thanks to our subscribers consider becoming one today Visit ProCFOPartners.com and learn how we can help you build a framework for financial management and growth.